There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to another episode of White Wine Question Time, something from the cellar. And this week, I'm revisiting and dusting off a vintage conversation with a woman who is set to own this year's Brit story. Yep, it's the Brit Awards this weekend and starring centre stage is a young woman who has a record-breaking seven nominations. In the episode you're about to hear, she lays out her story, her remarkable struggles and stances that have enabled her to get to where she is. The toast of the British music industry. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Ray. I am so excited to finally talk to you. I feel like I know you because one of my best friends is my hairdresser and your hairdresser, Alex. Oh my God, I didn't even know that. I love her. And she speaks so beautifully of you. And I feel like I've followed your your journey through her. And you've got, well, you've you've got a very busy year this year. You've got seven seven tracks that you've written. There's a kind of a body of work to this, isn't there? And it's much you've themed these next seven tracks. It starts with Natalie, which I love, by the way. And that's your you're paying huge respects to Dolly there, Dolly Parton. Yeah, I am. I mentioned her name in the song. I just love her. And (laughs) it's kind of you've you've used Jolene as a massive influence on that, haven't you? Yeah. Homage. Yes. I remember when I first heard that song. I was, I think I cried. I was so young, but I had it in my little MP3. Um, and I was like, what is this? Story so sad, is so isn't it? moving. It is, but you can immediately put yourself into the shoes of, I think everyone's had their own Jolene moment, you know, their own Natalie moment. Yeah, so um, Natalie is your Jolene. Yes. And and let's face it, Jolene's a bit of a bitch. Yeah, yeah. She's going to take your man. in this case. <laughs> Listen... <laughs> Oh, so, you know, this is why I love being a writer, because if I if I wasn't, I don't know how I would have handled that situation. Maybe I would have egged someone's house. Maybe I would have <laughs> gone crazy. <laughs> okay, I just, um, I'm a little bit reckless sometimes, you know? But this is why it's really great that I'm able to channel yeah. these emotions into something and I'm I'm really happy that Natalie did what Natalie did because that now I have Natalie's own and I love it you know yeah. and the most <laughs> ugliest things in my life make great songs so yeah I feel like yeah let's like, the curse it's that Michelle Obama quote isn't it when they go low you go high you that's what you yeah, did there you go. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but Natalie is the is the the first song out of the traps with seven songs that all kind of sit around the theme of grief. And actually, yeah. when I read that, I thought, oh, God, if you know, have you lost somebody? No, you're not talking about grief in, in, in that one, uh, one and only sense. It's about mm. the grief of loss in a relationship. Yeah, it is. It's quite an interesting theme I, to explore. It is. And also because I think 
even though for, for our whole lives we've been hearing songs about love and heartbreak and love and loss and, you know, rah, 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 it's still underplayed how crazy it is when you go from knowing everything about someone and sharing the innermost everything of yourself with this person, and then all of a sudden they're gone. You're yeah. strangers again. You don't talk. You don't know each other. As far as I'm concerned, that was like a death. Okay, so I was grieving. So I true. was emotional, and I was in pieces. Um, and I made the seven. It's about the seven stages for me of a healing heart. They say there's like seven stages to healing a broken heart of love and loss and grief. So it just takes you through like the pain in the beginning, especially if you don't want it, especially if you're not in it too, you know, and then the final stage where I'm like, you know, I'm over it. Finally. (laughs) What's the five stages in between? Oh my God, I'm a hot mess to I'm over it. So you have stage one is shock and denial. So it's like when you're just like, no, 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 no. Second is pain and guilt. Yeah. That sucks. Third is anger and bargaining, which is which just like... Better than stage uh, two, but still quite shit. <laughs> it is better. It's more... It's it's more... It's a more... Um, I don't know. They're all such complicated feelings. And then I have stage four, which is then once you've processed the actual concept of what's happening, then you now have to, like, watch the person you love see someone else or be with someone else and that's Natalie Don't and that's like soul destroying um and then you have kind of the upward turn reconstruction and working through and then hope and acceptance so yeah yeah. I think that this is like a musical bible that every every person (laughs) should drill into (laughs) in those moments it should be sent out like a care package (laughs) You're going to be all right, hon. Start from someone and just make your way through. You're going to be all right. (laughs) It's good. It's like like a musical self-help book. Yeah. And do you know what really helped me? I wrote each song at each stage. Did you? Yeah, I did. And the the first one is Love Me Again, which I've already released. Um, It did really well. Actually, it went silver. And um, I wrote it on tour. I was on tour with Khalid and I should have been having the time in my life and I was but um I just broke down after a show one day I was so oh my I don't know my heart was on the floor oh. I was literally sitting on the floor next to the tour bus whilst everyone was inside and I was crying out loud oh um, it was sad I was posting stories like well, I just don't know like even life was so emotional and I think it was also you know the tour when you're on tour you're up and down you're up and down yeah yeah so we was on the road for a month and it was a lot but I made this song and I was like yeah I'm gonna document my healing process because right now I feel so horrible and I feel like there's no way I'm gonna be better but I know I would eventually so I'm gonna document it so yeah I'm really proud of this mini album are you, de- are you definitely at stage seven now, yeah? Tell me you're happy. Oh, yeah. Um, do you know what? I think I just reached it, like, I would say a month, two months ago. Like, definitely in the clear, like, I'm done. Yay! <laughs> you're in remission. Yeah! <laughs> I am, I am. And I wish him all the best. But I'm like, goodbye. Your loss. Yeah, babe. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, but um, I wanted to pick up with you on the Beyonce moment. I found on YouTube this brilliant clip where, so oh. to give the listeners some context, you had submitted a track to the Beyonce team and mm-hmm. you've been told that, yeah, it's being used on the Lion King soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And then she leans over at the premiere on the red carpet while you're posing for the paparazzi <laughs> and says something to you and you start jumping up and down yeah and what what did she tell you it was in that moment that I found out that the song was going to be part of the project she leaned over and she was like Ray like I just wanted you to know she was like Ray and I'm like who's who's calling my name <laughs> uh she's like I want the song to be track one on the song is, song is track one on the album the song is called Bigger and we've shot a video for it, and I'm so excited. And I was looking at her like, what? Are you joking me? That was a pinch me moment. It was ridiculous. That is a pinch um, me moment, isn't it? I mean, like, yeah. what did she mean to you as an artist? Because I can imagine that, you know, when you're studying heads down at the Brit School, Queen Bay is like, she is literally queen. Yeah. I mean, everyone has the same stories. But I remember, you know, being... Well, growing up and lying in bed with my best friend, watching YouTube, and we're just watching on repeat, Beyonce live, singing runs, performing, like to the point that we're there crying tears, like it's just so good. <laughs> you know, she's 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 a queen, and she's one of the most hardworking, most ridiculous performers. She's inhuman. What she's capable of, it's just. Nuts. So to be able to contribute to her artistry is just mind-blowing. Yeah. Did you cry? I did cry. Good. I did. I cried. <laughs> yeah, I cried. What did you say to her? I, I don't know. What did I say? I was like, are you joking? I was like, really? I was like, ah! I, I screamed and I clapped and I said cheese with a picture. It was, yeah, and... For all of us writers who was there, there was um, another another good friend of mine called Guilty Beats. And it was absolutely crazy because two, maybe a year and a half before, we were in Ghana together, which is where we're both from, um, in West Africa. Mm-hmm. And we were making beats together and we were having a little low. We were having like, you know, reflecting on the year. And, you know, the music industry is a tough place. We all know this. You know, the creative industry, very competitive and very you know, tough at its worst of times. And we were sitting together and we were really like speaking words of affirmation into our potential, into our future. And we were like, we're going to make some really good songs. And one day, one day, no, we were like, not one day, next year, Beyonce's going to, or Rihanna or someone is going to reach out and want it. And then it happened. So it's just, it comes around, you know. I really think actually that when you put it out there, at the risk of standing like Noel Edmonds, it does come back to you. It does, doesn't it? I really agree. That's why you have to... I've always walked with the attitude, even when everyone's like, well, you're being ridiculous. I'm like, I am going to win eventually. You know, it's just like the more times your name is in a draw, the more likely you are to get picked out. So you just got to keep writing your name on those pieces of paper and just shoving them in, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but it also helps if you have got the ability to write a, a top line, hooky as you like, can't deny it on the radio, single. Yeah. And you have been vomiting them out lately. I mean, literally. 
There is no stopping you, woman. You're incredible. Oh, thank you so much. It's so lovely to hear. So you called that moment a pinch me moment. And I wanted to see if we could dive into some of your other pinch me moments because your CV so far in your, you know, couple of decades on this planet is Mm. mind-blowingly brilliant. And I love how you've made those moments count and you've used them as building blocks. So so talk me through some of your other seminal wow moments. Oh, okay. Another pinch me moment was I was asked to join a, a session with John Legend. And I think he's incredible and his music is insane. So, you know, and I was a, a bit nervous to turn up, turn up to the session and he's there and he's so nice. And then, you know, we're like on the piano and we're making something and he's looking at me like, Ray, like your melodies are, are so cool. Like, <laughs> I'm so excited. And I'm just there like, wow, this is pretty great. And we, we, we left the room and we had a song and he kept my vocals on the song um, and we put it out. It was called A Good Night and it was really beautiful and... Yeah, to be, again, it's like you're hearing artists that you grew up, you know, as part of my childhood, and then now I'm helping you make your art. It's just kind of crazy. Um, Another pinch me moment is David Guetta, who is now one of my best friends, um, is one of the absolute most amazing human beings on the planet. I'm really good at doing his impression now. Go on, I want to hear it. He's like, Ray, Ray, how are you doing? I have found a new sound. I have it, a new sound, and you need to hear this new beat, this new idea. He's like always, always on fire about something new. <laughs> like he's always onto the next. He's moving 10 million miles an hour, and he is absolutely brilliant. But we we actually worked so well together that we we hosted a writing camp in his house in Ibiza last year and we were going to do it this year but obviously COVID um but we flew out some of the most incredible writers I got to choose the writers he chose the producers and then we would make music and go and perform it that night wow like 70,000 people on a private jet somewhere like a few hours away so it's just like you're now there seeing music reacting instantly, opposed to what I'm normally doing is write a song. You wait months, if most of the time years, before you get to see that instant reaction, yeah. you know? Um, so, yeah, that's, that, that's, that's a beautiful, crazy. That is a beautiful experience to be able yeah. to accelerate that moment. So, yeah. so you're in Ibiza with David Guetta, who's like Don of the Island. You know, he headlines yeah. everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I know how that kind of works. So they base themselves in Ibiza for the summer, but then they jet out all over the place to do other gigs because yes. they headline yes. one night a week on the island. Exactly. So he's, and I know he's got an insane villa there, hasn't he? Oh, it's so <laughs> oh, It's a crib. Do you know what? He was in Ibiza this year, actually, just gone. He was like, Ray, you thought the old house was good? He's like, I'm in some new house. It's like James Bond, like, rah, rah, rah. I'm like, oh, my gosh. This guy's living his best life. He's just, the house was so beautiful. So you, you get to handpick the best writers that you want to work alongside. He brought a load of producers to the table as well, didn't he? Yeah. So then what yeah. you'd, you'd kind of cram in and, and write and produce and then jump on a private jet 
fly somewhere else to some insane gig where you're headlining <laughs> to, and then just perform it that night. It sounds so nice, doesn't it? Even better, he had a chef. So we wake up, he's like, breakfast is at one. Breakfast is at 1pm. <laughs> yeah, but you're working some late hours. <laughs> yeah, we are. We wake up, everyone will get around the table, the chef will cook us all breakfast, and then we break out into different groups, um, and we just create music. And I was making it by the pool, outside, under an umbrella, like, cocktail in my hand. Oh, sun on my skin, babe. We had the best time. It was really great. We're going to do it again. I don't know how you can better that moment. You're kind of, and it's like that old Motown way of working, which was like a hit factory, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And you're kind of doing that with with David Guetta. I've been in a few of those scenarios. So what what happens is if there's like a, a, a demand for a song or a project and an artist is like, right, I need focus time. You, We have these things that are called writing camps. Yeah. Um. And it's, and it's like, it is both extremely productive sometimes and then sometimes extremely claustrophobic and too much yeah. to be like, right, now you have to write a song and we will leave the room with one and, you know, but it's it's just, you just get so much material. And, and that's what I was for The Lion King, for the Beyonce project. It was a writing camp. It was huge. And there were so many writers coming in and out and... Yeah, so those settings, especially as a writer, and this is the, the stuff people don't realise, and it's something I'm actually quite passionate about, talking more about songwriters, not producers, songwriters get basically the worst deal mm-hmm. in the whole industry because you don't receive an advance if if your song is taken. You have to wait two years before you get to see your first pound. It's ridiculous. People don't get this. So what happens is when a song is, imagine how hard it is, right, to write something, one, that everyone connects to and everyone's excited about and is like, this is going to be a single. So you, you've now you've achieved, okay, I've written someone's single and it's coming out. As a producer, if you produce that track, you will get a 30, 30K fee, 50K or whatever, depending on how big a producer you are. If you are a writer, you get nothing. And you have to wait for the royalties to be collected, PRS, PPL, all these infrastructures that we have of collecting royalties. And you have to wait so long. So you could be having the biggest hit in the world and be broke. It's it's nuts. And there's a lot of artists that have come through the same road as you, the route as you. People like yourself, Charlie XCX, um, even Jesse J back in the day, that start out writing for other artists. And yeah. you just, I've always assumed, and I think people do assume that, well, that's a way for you to keep the money coming in while you build your own kind of profile. And that's not the case, no? Well, it, well, I'm very, very fortunate. I worked my bum off, you know, since I was 17. I had my first cut. It's one of these things on the wall. Um, and I was 17 and it went to number three in the chart. But I didn't see any money, money for that for about, two years wow. and then you don't know me which is feels like such a long time ago I'm only just getting the money through now you're joking like, no uh, it's crazy that was a monster track actually and it, it, it was kind of the one that made everybody realize that you are an artist as well as a songwriter but you wrote that track as well with Jax Jones yeah and you've been in you've been writing with like I mean names that won't mean a huge amount to people listening but again let's give it some context Fraser T Smith he started out writing for Craig David he was the guy in the early performances that was on the guitar 
But yeah. And then this year you would have seen him at the Brits performing with Dave with that amazing yeah. piece that they did. But he's written for Adele, Stormzy. Yeah. I mean, the, yeah. the, I mean, his his writing CV is nuts. It's just unmatched. Yeah, you can't touch him. And then you're and in writing with him as well. Oh, that's like my. He's like my big brother. Like we, he, the kid. He's just a one of a kind. He's a rare guy. He really He's so is. so special. I've worked with him so like many times over different stages of my career. And every time I get there, you know, sometimes I've been down, sometimes I've been up. But every time he's like, Ray, you stay doing what you're doing. He would affirm me, reassure me and give me big pep talks and make me feel so like, what a great guy. Listening to you talk now, I think I'm hearing that you, you know, your artistry comes through because you're not talking about pinch me moments where you walked a red carpet or you you had your own hit. You're talking about those moments where you as a creative got to work with the best in the business. It's, it's those moments of real creativity that shows mm. it shows where your roots sit. You're, you're, you're just at the very beginning of what seems to me like an epic career. Aww. Does it feel like that? Do you know what? Like, yeah, yeah, it does. But oh, it's just been so crazy. Like, I came into this... I started doing full-time sessions when I was 14. So I was so young. I was at the Brit School. I would leave. Friday after school, we would finish at 12 p.m. I would get on the train, sell her station, and I would go to all these different sessions. Anyone that would write with me, anyone that would take me. I was so motivated from the youngest age. Everyone's like, what's your plan B? What's your plan B? I'm like, I don't have a plan B. This is my only plan, you know? Um, And I worked really hard. So it does feel like when I look at where I've come from, some little girl from Croydon who had no connection and no way in and no tie. We weren't rich. We didn't have, you know, a famous someone or someone. I didn't have a plug. I didn't even know how or who or what. So to then look back and be like, okay, I was there, now I'm here, is amazing. And my whole family is getting involved. My dream is to build a family empire. My little sister has just signed a huge publishing deal, which is a songwriting deal. She's 16 and she's absolutely crazy. My other sister's working with me. She's also an incredible vocalist and writer. Like, my dad is involved. Like, I'm just surrounded by music my family was born to do this and i'm just gonna have a great time getting there this feels very beyonce knows this feels very (laughs) (laughs) is your mom sat in the background running up some costumes for you because then you've got it all covered (laughs) do you know what give us two or three years my mum works for the nhs um but i would love it's my dream for us to all work together mum i want mum to quit i want her to join the family business you know, the goal is that we're going to be writing songs for everyone around the world. We're already starting. Like, my, my sister's got her first cut with Chris Brown. Like, she's 16. No, she's 16. Yes. Chris Brown. Like, yes. Like, <laughs> we're really out here. We're working, Kate, babe. We're working. <laughs> I love it. And your dad's managing you as well. Yeah. That's brilliant. He is. Yeah. Yeah, he is great. You know, you do hear some... You hear a lot of stories and... It's it's tricky for him because he has to get over that initial, you know, when people find out you're working with your dad. Sometimes people get a bit like, oh, oh, your dad, oh, blah, blah, blah. But then they meet him and he's the loveliest guy. Yeah. He's hardworking, he's so friendly, and he's just a great guy. I and love he him. clearly knows what he's doing because look where you are right now. 
<laughs> yes. Yes. Do you know what this reminds me of? I, I'm just going back now. Well, it's well over 10 years, but I remember many, many years ago, I was doing shows for Radio 2 and you get this thing called DJ Choices, right? And if we were going into a new year and I was allowed to pick two artists that I wanted to tip for the following year for oh, success, wow. right? So one of them was the Scissor Sisters and I really loved them. Oh, I, wow. thought, I thought their sound was great. And then I, I knew this this guy that was managing a, a young artist. She was a Brits uh, student and he'd gone from plugging to working as a manager. And I just mm. loved this girl. And I got her into the studio and we talked and she starts talking like you just talking, saying, mm. oh, you know, I had no connections. I've, I don't sound like anyone else at school, um, but I've got to be true to me. I've got to be who I am. Oh. And I'm thinking, this girl's so exciting. And that girl was Amy Winehouse. Oh, wow. And there's so much of you that I I find, I see and hear oh. in Amy. No, that is so amazing. She was so unafraid. To, she didn't feel like she needed to change or di dilute anything yeah. that she had to say. And that's so bold and brave, especially in the UK, you know, and everyone's like, you know, putting different things into boxes. You know, I, I've always said this. I'm like, how are there going to be icons? Because we are encouraging and kind of forcing everyone to be the same thing, to have the same opinions, mm. to, to... Form a tribe. Ex Stay in yeah. your lane. Don't change your mind. But yeah. Isn't there beauty in, in constantly evolving your thought patterns? We need contrast. It needs to be okay for people to have different beliefs and and ideas and ideologies and not be like a bad, you, you not be a bad person for it. It's it, yeah. It's hard, it's isn't really, it? Um, because if you want to have a voice, you should be, you know, free to use it in a way that is sensible and non-discriminatory. And that I'm not yeah. talking about hate speech here. I'm just talking about different ideas, different approaches yeah. and not being cancelled for it, which, um, is and even within art, it's just becoming more and more fragile. It's like, the, the the parameters of what you're allowed to do is just getting tighter. And it's like, you can create something in here, but if you create something out of there, you're just yeah. you know, going to get cancelled. And you look at artists like someone. Cardi B and the video she put mm -hmm. out recently, and so many people came yeah. down on her. And I watched this video thinking, God, it's going to be like some sort of, you know, porn video. <clears throat> and, you know, yes, it's definitely, you know, she's definitely working it, but she's happy with it. It's yeah. her doing it on her terms. Why, why are we all, you know, women should be able to be who they want to be. You should be able to represent yourself. The, exactly. Can like everyone who has an issue with something that's clearly not hurt. It's not hurting you. It's art. But if you like it, if you don't like it, that's great, but you need to condemn it. Yeah. But, e if... but equally, right. If a male artist does a video with lots of support artists around him, like dancers mm. doing what she was doing in that video, no one's mm. going, that's outrageous. Oh, fact. of course. Like, of course, we know this, Kate. Everyone is just... Women get the hardest time. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. 
At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. reading up on you and I really wanted to plunder your mind and your thoughts on this are you ready for your next question yeah (laughs) when did you last stand up to be counted when it came comes to the gender imbalance that exists within the music industry because as much as we've probably got this amazing array of female artists more than arguably we've had in recent times for a long time yeah I know that you've found that there is a huge gender imbalance in your workplace. Yeah, there is. And especially behind the scenes, Mm. you know. In the front, it's really beautiful and amazing to see so many incredible women. Yeah, the shop window's great, right? Yes. Okay. The shop window is good. But actually, the people that are filling the tills and making the big decisions and, and shaping the next phase of this industry, are there enough women up front... And what are you doing to kind of help that? Because I know you are. Um, yeah, so there's not enough There's not enough women in these seats that, that it's really important. I feel like female artists have been used to for so many years. Going, you pull up to a random address that's in your calendar. You go inside. There's a man in a the chair. There's another man. And there's another man. And you go in and you're like, hi, I'm a girl. And you get on with it. And the men are in these dominant seats, controlling the session and the environment. And at a certain point, when you do, when you're doing that every day, but you're not seeing women, you you kind of start to be like, why? Mm. Um, so to my my little bit of how I can, you know, you have to be the change that you want to see. So I've been even over the last two weeks. I've been in studios with only women, which has been so amazing. So I have me on production. I invite my sisters, amazing writers that I love to come through, female writers. I really want to see, and and the goals of mine are to see songs. You know, on Spotify, you can click on the credits and see who's been part of a song. My goal is for it to all be written by woman, 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 woman. (laughs) Done. Um, and it's rare. One of my right, good writer friends posted um, the statistics of, this is like two weeks ago, of the Hot 100 and the proportion of women involved in the music and the proportion of men involved in the music. The balance is actually, it actually made me shed a tear. Like it's really? still, we've got so far to go. We've got so far to go. Out of 
there was one female producer in the whole Hot 100. No. And so many men. There was only one female producer. And there were like still 65 or something percent men, male top liners. And then on and the a big top liner song, is the, a top liner is kind of your prestigious writing squad who come in and give you the top yeah. line hooks that get you the radio play that create the hits. Yeah. So they've exactly. got they're kind of your premium band of writers, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. But but, how, but it can't be that women don't have the talent and the ability because you're proof of that. You know, Amy was. There's so many female artists that are proof of that. So where's where's the block? Why aren't they getting through? It's just you know what it is. Let's put it like this. Dolly Parton is such a great um, reference. Small-minded people will look at her and be, oh, she's blonde, she's, she's got big boobs, she's... What does she know? Meanwhile, you're looking at the best songwriter top liner in the world. One of the best, yeah. without even trying. You've written I Will Always Love You for Whitney Houston. You've written Working Night. You've written everything that you've been a part of. Yeah. Game-changing. Yeah. But you know what it is? Even Dolly, even with the platform that she had, even being the biggest artist, she still wasn't taken seriously. Yeah. People didn't think she knew what she was doing. People don't take women seriously in these situations. Um, and you see it all the time when I'm in a room and men are condescend being condescending. And this is not all men. I'm not out here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, of course. You all suck. Because, no, I know some incredible... Guys, We've already spoken about, you know, David Guetta, John Legend, Fraser T. Yes. Smith, who've all been yeah. influential in elevating your position. Exactly. Yeah. But some um, men you're and, talking about. Yeah, and there are jobs which are technically not feminine, which w women need to just jump at because it's like, I, I can't see, I can't keep walking into studios and seeing men in the, in the seats, I can't. Do you have a female yeah. sound engineer? I do, yes. They are like hen's teeth. They don't really exist in the music rare. industry. They are rare. <laughs> they and you know, do you know what's crazy, Kate? I remember the first time there was a woman in the studio on the engineering side after about three or something years of me doing sessions and the room felt different. I walked in and I was like... Something is so different about this. Why? And I looked and I was like, there's a woman there. Wow. What? Like, that's how abnormal it was to feel a female energy in that kind of... Like, that's, that's, that's not right, though. It's not right. So, slowly but surely. Slowly but surely. But yet we have these kind of women who are like pillars in the music industry, like Madonna, mm. you know, yeah. who completely created a path that nobody else had, had dared to. Yeah. Uh, to open a gate and a door for other women. Dolly Parton before her. Um, you know, female songwriters in the UK, like the brilliant Kathy Dennis, who went from artist mm. to songwriter, yeah. who is just another Iconic. hit machine, yeah. But why is it that we have these women that they go in and they break down these doors and they open pathways for other women and yet there's not enough coming through to make that, 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 that change feel significant? You know, I just think the same as all things, it's just going to take time and persistence. Mm. Change is happening, but just at a very, very slow, tiny, slow rate. But there is, like, there's a producer called Wonder Girl, who's, like, I think one of the best, who makes beats for Drake and Jay-Z and, like, hip-hop beats. And she's, like, iconic. We don't have enough role models in those yeah. seats as well. We don't have enough women actually understanding that 
they can aspire to these roles. But as an artist and as someone in the industry, when you look around, you see how much it is needed. Keep doing it. Don't, I will. Don't, I'm not stopping. Don't stop kicking down those doors. I'm, I'm kicking the doors. written as we've established with some of the biggest artists out there and songwriters you've worked with I mean like you're not even you're not even 25 yet like you've not even been on this earth a quarter of a century and yet you're finding yourself in these I mean what I would call magnificent moments of opportunity and so many people would drown in that moment with just the the weight of, of the responsibility of don't fuck it up yeah. how do you make sure you don't fuck it up how do you make that moment turn into an opportunity that is a building block that takes you to the next place and the next space and keeps keeps you growing? Do you know what? It's funny. I was thinking about this yesterday. Really? Um, I was. I What I do is I take every single opportunity that comes my way, even if <laughs> I just take it. You know, even if it's awkward or embarrassing, you know, if I see someone, you know, this is how you go from having nothing, like nothing in it to finding your way. Because it's, it's, it's just that thing, it's this expression I always say, if you keep knocking on the door, it will eventually open. It's, if you stop knocking, your chance is gone, you know. Yeah. And since I was young, it's the expression of knocking on the door. So if I'm at an event... And I see someone who can help me on my journey or who I need to get connected with. I will go over there and I'll be like, hi, I'm Ray. I'm a writer. To the point. <laughs> Good for <laughs> you. Hustle it. You know, and sometimes people look at me like, who are you? Sometimes people look at me like I'm crazy. Sometimes, sometimes people dismiss me. But sometimes I get an email. And if I do, I will follow up. And I'll get in a session. And I swear to you, if you get in a session with me, you're leaving and you're going to be like, I want to do it again. And that's always my motto, to give the best energy I can possibly give and to take every opportunity that comes my way. So I've had so many embarrassing stories of like ending up in the craziest rooms because you're just like, I'm just going to ask because you never know. It's about being unafraid. Living with regret is such a boring emotion. Like, regret is such a boring emotion. It's, if you're there and you're at a party, yeah, and you're like, oh, my gosh, that is da-da-da-da-da. I should go and speak to them. Yeah, he might turn around. Like, I've had times where people have literally just turned around. Upset, <laughs> like, babe. <laughs> You've just been dissed in the moment. Oh, uh, <laughs> it feels horrible. But you know what? It, it, if anything, it makes me more determined. You know, it's it's just a funny little world and everyone knows everyone and it's small. And the things that, the position I would be in if I hadn't had that mentality might be completely different, you know. But also it's about finding your people, right? And if you don't go and approach people, you're never going to find your people. And your people are exactly. the people that believe you or get you or think, it's not, not what can I do for you or you can do them. It's more kind of what can we do together? Yeah, there's that sense of collaboration. A thousand percent. And actually being open to that and embracing that has meant I have some beautiful friends. Be I've learned so many beautiful lessons and I have a really beautiful network of 
artists and writers and producers who I love and I want to see them win and I want to see them at the top. Yeah. You know, and it's also that genuine support. Like, you know, I remember at the beginning of the game, women supporting women is now, you know, we're talking about it every day. But at the time, you know, my manager at the time was, you know, and my the people around me are like, you know, see that woman, that's your competition. You know, and you see that artist, she's in your lane right now. So you got to... You know, so I'm like 15 years old, 16 years old, like women, oh my God, I'm out of my... And it was so disorientating and confusing. But now I'm so happy to just have the most beautiful network of female creatives in my life. Like me and Mabel are going out for dinner tomorrow. Like uh... we're catch up on life. Like me and Steph London, who's an amazing artist. I was with her last week. Like it's just about... You know, women genuinely supporting women. And I, for me, that's been the most exciting change that's happened because it's real, you know, Goodness. it's not for show. What a terrible camera. mentality to feed into a 15-year-old mind, though, to tell you that someone that's in your lane is there for competition. It's like, you know, don't yeah. build a wall, build a bigger table. There's plenty of room for all of us. And that, 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 shared, exactly. that shared creativity creates wonderful new opportunities for everyone. Exactly. Really weird, isn't it, that women from the jump, it's like, yeah, men, you can all be friends. Yeah. Women, there's two spots, so you all hash it out and see who makes it to the table. Like, what? But who said there's two spots? Like, says who? Exactly. Make more spots. Yeah. Change is happening, Kate. You know how beautiful it is being able to, like, be at something like the Brit Awards and look to your left, look to your right and be like, I want her to win and I want her to win and I want her to win. Yeah. And I'm so happy to see her win. You know, that's so liberating. Yeah, and that's how it that's how it feels at the moment. But who do you think were the change makers, the women um, that we need to say thank you to that helped to create that culture? I think personally in my life, I experienced it when Charlie XDX, incredible songwriter, incredible girl, has been in the industry for ages, badass, top liner, insane. She... Um, supported me she um let me she directed my video like Did she? ages ago yeah so she she went out on a limb to put her name to my name and at the time I was just no one knew who I was um and I was like wow this woman went out of her way to support me and and endorse me she didn't have to do that and that instance of kindness in the workplace rubbed off on me and I was like how she treated me is how I want to treat others. Yeah. And it's about, you know, big artists taking care of new artists, all of us nurturing each other, women reaching out, DMing me like, I love your art, women I don't know, and then me then actively doing the same every opportunity I can. It's just really nice. And it's, it's so really nice. simple, right? Yeah, it's not hard. And it's it takes hard. far more energy to be fighting for two spots and bashing people out of your lane than it does to just pull up a chair at your table and say, come and sit with me. You exactly. Know? Yeah. Exactly. And for that in the industry, I really do feel a change. It I'm used so to be pleased. Like you be at an event looking left and right. Like, now we're just like, hi. And it's that's, lovely. That's good. Yeah. I'm, g- I'm glad that you can feel it. Yeah. And that it feels tangible. Still more work to do behind the scenes. Yeah. But we're getting there. We're getting there, Kate. I'm going to keep you updated on the progress. Ray, you're brilliant. <sighs> I love you. So you. I really oh, do. Thank you. I feel like I've fangirled all over you today. How good was that? Ray 
her story in all its wondrous glory. And don't forget, we've got loads of other great conversations with fellow musicians and Brit Award winners in our back catalogue. So dive on in. Skins in there from Skunk and Nancy, Charlene Spiteri, Gary Barlow, Tom Grennan, Ella Henderson. I could go on. I do go on, don't I? So with that in mind, I'll leave you. But I'll be back on Friday with a brand new guest. Until then, thanks, as always, for your company. White Wine Question Time is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.